Rachel Poli here with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 98, and this week's question is, what are the best tips for writing description? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, write a review, and share it with friends. So we're talking about description, and that can mean a number of things in your novels, whether you're giving background information or you're describing a character or describing a place. Uh, Pretty much you're just painting the whole picture for your readers, depending on what is happening in your story. But description's not always easy to include into your novels. I mean, as a writer, you need to picture this in your mind before you can convey it on paper. And that's actually one of the issues that I have with it. Like when I read, I can picture it like a movie in my head, but when I'm writing, I can also picture it as a movie in my head, but then actually describing it is a whole nother ballgame. So I probably should not be uh, talking about this at all, let alone running the episode, but here we are. So my first piece of advice for writing description is that you need to make sure that it has a purpose and you need to know when to add your description. And I say this only because uh, pre-COVID, I used to be part of a writing group at my local library and we met once a month in person and there was a short story that I had written and submitted and the host of the group made a note in like the beginning of the story saying what's going on here can't picture anything like I need more description so I added more description to that part and I resubmitted it the following month which I didn't usually do but I had edited it enough that I wanted more feedback on it so the following month he went back to that same spot and he like highlighted certain pieces and he goes he wrote why do we need to know this and I was like man, you told me to add more description, add more description. (laughs) And at the time, I didn't really understand. I didn't really get what he meant. But the more I thought about it, I realized he was saying I needed to see more description, but this wasn't the description that I needed. This particular piece of description does not move the plot forward. It does not describe a character. It does not describe the setting. This is just filler. But yeah, so moral of the story, just your description needs to have a purpose and you need to know when to add it into your story so that it has meaning to the reader and it advances the plot or describes something that's useful to the book as a whole, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's easy to fall into the trap of filler, especially if you're an underwriter and you have to like kind of increase your word count because you feel like it's a little bit thin. So you can end up, overdoing the description and, and like over describing everything so I, I can completely get that but yeah it's it, it's one of those things where it's hard especially at the beginning to find that equilibrium of how much description you need and for what and and piggybacking off that point I'll jump to mine which is don't info dump on the description it should definitely be peppered throughout the story, whether we're talking about the description of a character, whether it's their hair colour, their eye colour, their skin tone, their body shape, anything like that, height, anything. It shouldn't be completely chunked right in at the very beginning and then never mentioned again. 
Because first of all, unless you've got a brilliant memory, you're not always going to remember everything. So by reminding the reader throughout, oh, by the way, this character has, you know, is, is six foot two, or this character has a limp in the left leg, forget that, it can be a bit overwhelming. And I actually read a book not that long ago that gave massive chunks of description on the layout of rooms within this building and all the different equipment in it and it was literally like the first two pages of the book was just description any writer who's worth their salt knows the first page should not be chunks of description it needs to hook the reader it needs to pull them into the story, get them knowing some form of character or a villain or whoever you want to in, you know, introduce early on and grab you and drag you along. And honestly, these two pages did not do that. And I just skimmed after I started, I think it was like the third paragraph, I just started skimming and like flipping pages until I could get to something that seemed interesting. And I think the problem is it's so easy to think, oh, we need to set the scene. But this is not like, you know, fade in, you know, there's a there's a, a, a clock ticking on the wall above the large mantelpiece, the fire roaring, chairs around. This is not some sort of screenplay where you're writing the set, set directions and then moving on. It's it's a book that needs a story and not a large dump of description. We're, you know, we've also talked about like, the large dump of information regarding world building, where people start going into massive details about a new world to get the reader up to speed. This is the other side of that, where it's like, well, let's make sure the reader is 100% aware of where they're standing and who's in the room and what they're doing and what the wallpaper looks like and the rug and the heating. And it's like, we don't need that. If you reread your story and highlight the areas that are descriptive, and you realize you have huge chunks of description, figure out what of that information can be slid into different areas of the book. You know, slide it through and put it in different points. It can all be in the in the first few chapters if you really need it to, you know, you really want to get people interested in the, the certain layout or the characters, but it certainly shouldn't be on one, one or two pages. And it certainly shouldn't be in the first two chapters in chunks. Another way you can do it that I personally think is a good way is to include action with your description. So if you want to describe a character's hair, you don't have to say Mary had brown hair long flowing down her shoulders. What you could say is Mary tossed back her brown hair as she gave Tom an evil glance reaching for the glass. Things like that. You know, you throw in the colour and the length as she flipped it back. So it becomes part of the action. You know, somebody narrowing their sharp green eyes, things like that. So you can throw in an action that helps you with the description and it stops that dumping, which happens a lot. Right. Because as I said, you need to know when to add the description. And by saying that, oh, Mary has brown hair or, and it's long and all that fun stuff. Yeah. It describes her character. But like, do we necessarily need to know that? We need to know it if we want to paint a picture for the character, but we can, you know, kill two birds with one stone and add the action behind it, as Ari said. And right or wrong, I don't know if, I don't know if other people write like this, this is the way I write, but most of the description that I write comes from my dialogue tags. And I have my character speak, and then in the dialogue tag, I explain what they're doing while they're speaking or while they're listening to someone else speak, because, because, <laughs> 
the blocky paragraphs of of description that Ari was explaining earlier, the big chunks, that intimidates the crap out of me. If I open a book and I just see that an entire page is like one, maybe two paragraphs, I'm not reading it. I'm sorry. I It could be the most beautiful prose in the world, but I'm my brain will not comprehend any of that. I tend to read dialogue more easily. And I mean, let's be real, we're all skimmers. The internet and social media, it has turned us all into skimmers. So when I see lots of dialogue, it kind of makes me feel like I'm reading faster because I'm getting through the pages faster. There's less words on the page. And that's kind of the way I write. I write mainly dialogue. So when I throw in the description, I'm not one to throw in big blocky paragraphs or even just like like normal sized paragraphs for the most part. I just kind of let my characters do the description for me in a way. I just like the idea of putting some, you know, like using dialogue tags. I don't, I wouldn't do it all the time because I think I'd probably end up obsessing and doing excessive amounts. But yeah, sort of like bringing that description in slowly with this kind of, you know, with like, oh, this is what they're doing and this is how they're doing it. And I said, yeah, two birds with one stone. It's it's it seems really obvious though, and yeah, it's it's something that we don't always see because it's you kind of think, oh, need to get this information out. We need to know you know, what they look like and what they're doing and, and, and everything. So it's not a complete surprise that people do info dump descriptions. And I think it's one of those things where maybe on the second or third in edit pass, that's when you need to start looking and thinking, ooh, ouch, that's way too much information. Let's see if I can break it through gently using the dialogue tags, using other people's point of view. You know, you know, you don't have to sit there going, I'm going to use Mary again. Mary had blah, blah, blah hair and blah, blah, blah eyes and high you know, you don't need to have a description from the narrator. You can use other people looking at them and thinking, you know, with jealousy as they, as this Mary throws back her long hair. You can have some person sitting in the corner seething about that. And that's how you get the information in. I mean, yeah, you got to be creative about it. I mean, nobody wants to sit there and, and act like they're reading an essay. Unless you enjoy reading essays, in which case, good for you. Um, but with that said, I'm going to go on to my next point, and it's not necessarily like a piece of um, advice or anything. It's more of a tip, I guess you could say. Are tips and advice the same thing? I don't even know. But I'm going to say that in order to help yourself practice describing people and places and just pretty much anything else that's in your novel, uh, take a look at what's around you. I used to go to uh, the bar my local Barnes and Noble every week with my sister. And we used to sit there and write. And oftentimes we didn't get any writing done at all. We would sit there and throw paper at each other, but we would like be looking around at the people that were near us because there were a lot of regulars that would also be there every Saturday morning. But then you'd also have these new people. And it, it was so interesting to see the dynamic between all these people and the chatter of the cafe and what people were wearing and what they were doing and just their different like facial expressions, depending on who they were talking to, who they were with. And you can sit down and take a look around you and really describe what is happening to you in that moment and talk about the people, like pretend that you are your character and you're sitting in a cafe and you need to like observe what's happening. Observe, that's a good word. I'm patting myself on the back for that. Observe what's going on around you and put it down on paper. That's the, I mean, that's one of the best ways that you can practice description is to actually describe stuff. That sounded less intelligent, but I'm sticking with it. 
I have to say, I miss people watching. I do. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, whether you're in a cafe or like an airport and you had to wait and you just got to sit there watching people and it was like, especially at airports is good because mm-hmm. you know, international flights coming in, so people from all over the world and just like what they wore, how they walked, how they spoke, what they ate you know mannerisms that were, were from those countries and it was so fun just sort of like sitting at a cafe having a cup of tea watching this like you know herd of people move through and seeing so many different people so many different looks and 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 everything oh wow, I really miss that bloody yeah. pandemic ruining everything <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun because the other thing is too you need to keep in mind people are watching you as well I cannot describe the amount of times that my sister and I would be bickering over something stupid like how to spell a word and like the person behind us would be like oh this is how you spell it and I don't know if that's just us being too loud or if the person just happened to tune in or like we've had people laughing at us like because we'll just start like poking each other and stuff and uh yeah so it's interesting to see like how you react to other people around you but then how they react to you and you can just include all of that in what's happening and the description then turns into your character's feelings and what they're thinking and it just kind of snowballs after a little while and it'll eventually write itself unless you're me then you still have trouble but okay so one of my last point regarding um writing description and i'm aware that there's lots of different tips and for writing description so we'll probably throw in a bonus episode over on patreon about this but yeah this isn't like the be all and end all of description ideas and, and suggestions these are just a few that we thought of one of the ones i like is to add detail to certain things and i say certain things because if i don't people will take that idea and run with it excessively so what do I actually mean when I say add detail let's do another example with Mary because you know she's hanging around right now if I say if I had written Mary slid behind the wheel of her car okay now Mary slid behind the wheel of her Lexus Mary slid behind the wheel of her pickup truck three different descriptions first one gives you almost nothing the second one gives you a very specific image of what Mary either does or the sort of lifestyle that she has. Exactly the same with the third, but in a different way. We have, we assign value to certain things. It's just the way it is. So if you put a character in an Armani suit with very well-manicured fingernails and maybe a cigar, that is going to paint a very specific picture to the reader beyond the obvious that this person is wearing an Armani suit has a manicure and is carrying a cigar. It has something beyond that that you will also automatically connect to. Just the same if you have someone wearing torn pants, paint stains, you know, short cigarette and a cap on halfway, you know, twisted around on the side of their head. Again, and also it depends on who the reader is to, to how they will view these different things. But by adding these little details, it will kind of help build a stronger visual you can say that mary has a really good job that maybe she's a high flyer you could say that maybe she was an heiress or maybe that she was married into money or you could just slide in that she got into a lexus that she's shopped at a high-end boutique that she's wearing thousand pound shoes (laughs) who wears thousand pound shoes jeez but you know what i mean that's what i'm saying little details just slipped in 
will make a bigger difference than you realize. And again, I have to remind you when I say a few, because we don't want you swinging to the other side where Mr. Armani has, you know, Cartier rings on, um, you know, thousand pound shoes, stood next to his Porsche, has her her plugs. You know, it's like if you're going excessive, then it's too much. Enough that, you know, the, the manicure with the Armani suit and the cigar will paint enough of a picture without throwing in all the other pieces. And you can do that with all sorts of things. So just think about little details you can drop in very subtly that will paint a bigger picture, a stronger picture of the character, of the location, of the situation. You know, think about it in the sense of two people walking across a field in the rain or two people trudging through a field as the rain lashes down. Now you know what the rain's like. Now you know the sensation of what they must be feeling if they're trudging than if they're walking across the field in the rain. So these little tiny descriptors have pushed it to show something more. And again, it's these little things, but they really do add up. They just like, they're so subtle as well. I don't even think you realize you're reading them. It kind of, sort of gives you this sensation as you're reading it and paints the picture a bit deeper. Well, I think it does anyway. So. No, no, that's a good point because here I am, I'm talking about description as like literal describing stuff, but the way you just explained it, you're, you're not just describing what a person looks like or anything like that. You're giving insight onto them as a character and their lifestyle, as you said. So that's everybody listen to Ari don't listen to me because Mary would not get into her Lexus she would get into her blue car and that's all you'd get because <laughs> that's that's how I I think of description I'm like oh I'm just describing something but no that's not what it is at all <laughs> hey the blue is important too you know maybe it's her favorite color maybe it's not her favorite color and her husband picked it and she hates it so you, oh. you never know. Or you know? Um, if you're an English teacher, maybe the blue symbolizes her depression or something. <laughs> the, the curtains are blue. The yeah, curtains. exactly. That's it. Yeah. It, uh... Oh, man. But the way you, okay, you know what that your description reminded me of is, um, have you ever had kids or done the how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich exercise? No, no, I haven't. Mainly because uh, we, I, I, I've only just learned how what peanut butter and jelly tastes like, and it tastes not that great. So, what? yeah, we're not. A, that's not a thing over here. It's either peanut butter or it's jam. It's not peanut butter and jam, which, by the way, that's what jelly is, I believe, in America. Normal people call it jam. We have jam. And that, and it, there are two different things here. Jam is better. That's so weird. Then what the heck is? is I don't know the what thing jelly is, our is. jelly our jelly is totally different our jelly is what your jello is so when you say jelly oh. it's jello so it's like you don't put jelly with peanut butter that's disgusting yeah no ew. So, yeah. Oh. yeah 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 anyway i digress go on explain <laughs> the peanut butter jelly kid analogy yeah well so there's an exercise that schools do i actually had to do this a couple of years ago uh with the now 12 year old that i watch and he came home and his homework assignment was to just was to do a step-by-step -step guide on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he needed to have somebody in his home 
read it and act it out. So to make sure that his guide was up to par. So the first step was put peanut butter on bread. So I ran around the kitchen being like, I don't know where the bread is. I don't know where the peanut butter is. How am I supposed to do this? And he was like, all right, all right, fine. And he, he changed the first step and said, get out bread, get out peanut butter. So I did that. I grabbed a loaf of bread. I grabbed the jar of peanut butter. And he was like, okay, put peanut butter on the bread. So I took the jar of peanut butter and I put it on the loaf of bread. And I mean, it's the funniest thing. It We were all like having such a good time laughing. And I've seen classrooms do, I've seen a lot of uh, videos of it on TikTok of teachers having their kids do this exercise. And then the teacher is trying to act out every single guide. And it just shows the kids how important detail is. Because if you are talking to a caveman and you're trying to teach them how to create a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, well, they don't know that they need to, you know, take the lid off of the peanut butter. They don't know that they need to take out two slices of bread. They don't know that they need to grab a knife and, you know, all of this. And it's just the funniest thing. And I don't know why this, I don't even know if this has anything to do with the episode, but that's what your description uh, reminded me of. You're painting a stronger visual and you don't want to talk to your readers as if they're, you know, two, but in some ways there are certain times where you need to be that detailed. And then there are other times where you don't need to be that detailed and that the difference of one detail can like make or break what your reader thinks of your character or what shows is whatever's going on in the novel and stuff. Well, that's it. Yeah. It's, and also it's like it, certain descriptions, like putting Mary in a Lexus compared to putting her in a pickup truck or maybe, you know, a, um, a beaten up old Saab, you know, that's that's fallen apart. It, 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 it evokes an emotion within the reader. And that's what you want. And some of these little tiny descriptions that you drop in, you know, you pepper throughout the story will create some sort of feeling obviously again depending on the reader if you had mary crying her eyes out in a lexus compared to crying her eyes out in a battered old sob i kind of feel like it might have a different effect on how much you empathize with her sadness you know if you're if, if like, oh there's a money issue but she's sat inside a lexus it's a bit different than wow she's sat inside a sob that's you know there's got dents and it's missing a bumper or something because at least you're going to think, well, you could sell the Lexus. It's something. So it's it's all these little ways of making your reader feel stuff, whether they want to or not. We have to control their feelings with our stories. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. Just manipulation. There we go. Right and manipulation on readers. It's <laughs> coming out now. Oh, gosh. On that note, I think uh, we've covered this topic quite a bit. So... When it comes to writing description in your novels, make sure that it has a purpose, add plenty of detail so that you can build a stronger visual for your readers, and try your best not to info dump the description and use action to help it flow better. And also, if you're feeling stuck, you can give yourself a quick writing prompt and describe the room around you or describe a person or anything like that. That's the only way you're going to get better if you just got to practice. So with that said, we'll turn it over to you guys now. What advice do you have for writing descriptions in your novels? We'd love to chat about it, so tell us your answers in the comments below. And if you want some more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen, you listen to your podcasts. 
And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps keep the show going, so we really appreciate the support. But in the meantime, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Mary Writer podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Writing Distractions. We're stalling on our whips. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.